I've got in front of me the, the book, Keeper of Faith, which is the autobiography of Tetenda Taibu. And having read the book and having then reminded myself of different things on the internet, I would imagine people who are listening have the same kind of thoughts that I do, that it's quite hard to pin down what we think of when we think of Tetenda because he's had a career, a career in cricket which started on the international stage at a very tender age now he's still only 36 and as he sat with me now uh, you could take 10 years off that and say he's 26 um, but all this stuff that has happened over probably the, the 20 years where he's been in the limelight um, it's a really great opportunity for us at Open Cricket to, to, to have a chat and to, to see not only how his life and his career has been uh, has evolved but how that has interacted with things on a broader scale, Zimbabwean cricket, as well as then how he's come to settle here in the the northwest of England. So first off, it's lovely to be here, and thanks for inviting me to your home. Thanks, Mike. Uh, to do this, so yeah, um, the the quote that I start with, Andy Flower wrote the the forward to your mm. book, mm. and he talked about the idea that you're someone who he sees puts a real focus on doing it right. Mm. Um, now. If we were to start with the involvement in cricket, mm. you've known Andy for, for a very long time, mm. but your your beginning in cricket has a an, another link to the Flower family with yes. with Bill. So, what what is it? How did you start to 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 play cricket and start that journey towards the the international career that you had? Um, cricket in those days in in Zimbabwe was played by the uh, by the minority. Uh, so only, um, only we could say only the rich were able to play the sport during that time, and um, so Zimbabwe cricket did a program um, which uh, was which had the aim to spread cricket into the four corners of the country, and I was at a primary school called Chipembere, and Chipembere was one of the three schools, three primary schools in Highfield which was um, selected for this program. So um, one of the coaches was uh, a gentleman called Stephen Mangongo, um, who really took it upon himself to, you know, to get results. And um, so it was introduced as a PE lesson just to see who would be interested in the sport. And he thought that I had a good hand-eye coordination and I threw the ball easily and I, when they showed us how to bowl, I bowled easily without any hassles and when they showed us how to hold a cricket bat and just to play, you know, a, you know, a shadow shot, I did that quite naturally, he says. Um, so once you passed that stage, you were then supposed to come for the afternoon practices and afternoon cricket practices for Stephen Mangongo was every day. Uh, that's from Monday to Friday Um, and then you had to then also watch um, our the first All Blacks club which was at the time called Bionics and that meant we had to watch cricket on a Sunday as well so so that's how I you know started playing cricket and uh, just to go back to your to the link about uh, Bill Flower um, so when I started playing, I think a couple of years down the line, I was playing in a game where Bill Flower had organized. So he used to go around Zimbabwe 
and you know try to spot talent and um and one of those times was uh one of those tens was chipenberry and he came um you know just to see what was going on there and he thought myself hamilton masakaza stuart matsikenyere and vusi muzisibanda um you know we he thought we were good enough you know to be playing against and with some of the best in the country so he used to have what was called the strugglers week where we would you know join in and 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 practice together and then play matches so i was playing a match in one of those um in one of those tournaments and um the wicketkeeper was a boy called uh, Gusen he was from a school called Lomagundi didn't turn up for the game and i volunteered to keep and when i was keeping and he came to speak to his dad about something um and bill asked andy if i had um you know a good pair of hands and uh, andy thought i was you know quite a natural keeper um and he gave uh, I, I later you know received wicket keeping gloves and wicket keeping pads from him um so uh, we carried on with the strugglers um you know for several years and uh, you know bill flower together with Andy Flower and other coaches uh, back in those days did really help me with my cricket. Okay, so this start then, Mm -hmm. there was this conscious effort to have um, to have an outreach to groups in in Zimbabwe that previously cricket wouldn't have been an option for. Yes. I guess everyone pretty much everyone listening is is aware to whatever degree of the divisions within the country mm-hmm. how how difficult was it to then progress from that point as a black Zimbabwean mm-hmm. compared to the opportunities that the 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 white Zimbabwean cricketers would have had mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking mainly perhaps in terms of the the, the funding and, mm-hmm. and the access to facilities and, mm-hmm. and things like that so the, the main thing um, obviously is the, is the facilities but um, when Zimbabwe Cricket embarked on that, prog- uh, that project, they um, built some concrete nets uh, for us. And uh, we were privileged at Chipenberry. We had about 12 concrete pitches that were put um, you know, uh, on various places at the, the, the sports field. Now, uh, so that was sorted. Um, however, we still had to get cricket equipment, and that was the major. Uh, that was a major factor, um, because um, I mean that was a major factor. Because I remember we only started. I only started using a helmet when I was um, when I was on a, on an international tour, not national, but when I when we went to South Africa for the first you know for the first time, and this was um, this is when I'm thirteen. That's the first time I used the inner helmet. Um, we only used to wear one pad on the left, and and you had your bat, and that was enough. Right. Um, and for games, we would, we used to have. The, rarely did we have three bats. I'm talking about the whole team now. So when one guy would go into bat, uh, sorry, when the two guys would be batting. The third guy, or you know, the the person betting number three would not have a bat. 
so number number if number one gets out he will then pass on the bat to number three and then that's how we played um but because we used to practice every day from two up until five we were able to hone our skills uh i mean you know credit must be given to uh to steven mangongo for you know for all the work that he did with us i mean now if i'm practicing for three hours now it's like it's nothing to me whereas other people will be thinking oof that's a long time because we used to do that on a daily basis for me three hours doesn't really you know it's yeah. it's, it's, it's it amounts to nothing so it's a lot of a lot of work that was put in and um um so so the facilities and then um uh, I think we're lucky, you know, to, to have those facilities because of the numbers that we, you know, were coming in practice. Um, once we got a bit of, you know, equipment, I think we were good to go. That's extraordinary to, to think of the experience of English clubs mm. and w- where there's not necessarily, there can be within that group, uh, a group of players who aren't going to go on and play international cricket who are mm. playing it just as a summer sport they might mm. be more interested in football mm. and we've got the, the example that you've given of yourself and others who've, who've gone on to play the sport at uh, the highest level mm. having to grab a bat off someone mm. when they're going into bat and, and things like this so mm. that w- the funding side of it that's mm. quite, quite stark in terms of seeing the, the issues there mm-hmm. as time had moved on and mm. your progression was very quick so mm. you made the the national squad at the age of 16 mm. um, and the pictures in the middle of the book you, you know certainly show that yeah you, you yeah. you're a young a young person mm. just a, almost a young man but still yeah. very much in the developmental stage oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, as you've made your, your path along there mm. this is a, a time where in in, 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 a, in a few countries there's mm quota systems being being in placed in there mm-hmm. what's your reflection on that now that you're at the other end of your of your career mm-hmm. looking back at the quota system mm-hmm. what was the merit and perhaps what were the were the problems with that i think the quota system was really uh, has really been introduced in south africa in zimbabwe it wasn't really introduced there was talk about it and um and there were a few scenarios and, and incidences where people said oh that's not fair selection that's you know the, the introduction of quota system um now it never got to a stage where it was really introduced i i i was always um against it the reason the reason was simple uh, you know for us in zimbabwe i don't know about i don't know the real uh, the real detail in South Africa. However, in Zimbabwe, the game had started being spread. Now, because there were more numbers of uh, uh, the blacks playing cricket, with time, it was just going to be, it was just going to 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 evolve that way. So, uh, so I, I've I've always been I was against it then. I'm still against against it because if the administrators or the board does their job properly, which is to provide facilities and equipment, because that's all that's needed, and have uh, 
set programs to make sure that all those places where they have um, uh, spread the game are playing games and um, can be looked at for selection, then it's sorted. Okay. Now, people would, would look at this and, and say, the conditions that you've applied, the facilities and the, and the equipment, mm -hmm. if that's provided, yes. Mm -hmm. There must have been, though, a quite a big inequality between some of the facilities and equipment and coaching that could be accessed by white players mm -hmm. compared to the, the black players. Mm -hmm. But listening to what you've said, the work ethic that was instilled in you and the amount of practice that you did perhaps mm -hmm. would represent some way of leveling it out, perhaps? Um, I think um, if I'm to take the two and compare... I don't think it's really leveling up because our practice we were we were taught to we were taught to succeed we were taught to win um i'm i'm still trying to understand my boys now when you know when they talk about just enjoying the game you know uh we were taught that you enjoy after you win you know so so we were at a different level altogether um However, coming back to the equipment, <coughs> to the equipment um, uh, issue, I think if the government one and the organisation uh, uh, um, were to put, it's not, it won't be a lot of money, uh, especially in the day and age that we're living in. I mean, I, I'm in constant communication with uh, Lords Taverners. And I've just managed to recently, you know, managed to send kit uh, back to Zimbabwe. So there are all those avenues that are available now uh, for for a lot of players that would otherwise not been able to play because they don't have equipment. Um, you know, there are those avenues for them to be able to play now. So, so I think that uh, um, if that is in place. Zimbabwe would be in a different position than it is right now. Okay, right. So with all with all the context that we we've spoken about there, mm -hmm. um, you 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 have this as I say speed of progression where you're in the mm -hmm. squad at, at sixteen, the mm -hmm. debut at eighteen, mm -hmm. vice captain of your country at nineteen, captain at twenty. So very quick there. And yeah. what? How did you you deal with that? Because that's not normal to to have that. Mm. that experience in, in such a quick period of time mm. how did you cope with from one year to the next each mm. time something building and building um, my friends always uh, you know my friends always used to say that uh, I was I was hungrier than the rest um, and they they didn't understand why I, I, I don't know what they they meant I just wanted to do well um, and I would take any any little opportunity to learn um, and and when I when I toured when I went for you know different tours when I started touring I um, I just didn't tour and just enjoy the tour I had to come back uh, a better player and it always felt like um, I have to do it, you know, without without anyone pushing me for that. I just had to do it. Now, so that's what my friends say. Um, in terms of leadership, 
I heard from Andy, I heard from um, um, uh, Alistair Campbell, uh, uh, Guy Whittle, um, and several other coaches used to say, um, you are going to be a leader soon. Um, be prepared, you are going to be a leader soon. What they saw, I don't know. <laughs> I just, But it's something that I didn't hear once or twice, but several times. Um, and I used to shy away from that. I used to run away from that. Um, but, you know, it, it, it caught up, I guess. Um, so, um, but most of them just used to say, look, you've got leadership qualities. Um, and Andy, uh, particularly Andy and Guy Whittle used to come to me in the field and say, Tatenda, if you were captain, what would you do? And then I'll, I'll give my response and, you know, and such like. Until Andy then said, look, the reason why I do that is I know that you're going to lead, uh, you know, in the near future. So I needed to know that, you know, you're following the game. Um, so, so yeah, but I have just used to hear guys uh, saying that growing up. Okay. Now... For that that period of the debut through to captaincy and onwards, mm. the the best word I I can think of to describe, so it was Zimbabwean cricket at the time, is that there was a lot of upheaval and, and turmoil. Um, this would be something that we, we could see as a an observer from another country, and then the, the the more you looked at it, or the more that I've I've read through the book and through other things, there'd be things that we we didn't see here in England mm. that would have had surely a big effect on how people are able to deal with 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 the challenges on the pitch because there's so much going off on the other side mm. of the, the the line mm. how much did that filter through to players the the political situation and how that affected cricket you're there in the in the dressing room at the time becoming more and more key player as mm -hmm. time goes on how much did it seep into what what's happening with the actual cricket no it it it, it did a lot um I mean, there's. I always used to call uh, things that affect the actual game um, car park issues. So I used to, when I was vice captain and uh, later on being captain, I used to ask guys to to leave whatever thoughts and whatever issues that are outside the cricket field in the car park, and I I had to remind them all the time because it it's not something that you could you could just ignore i knew all the players personally so i knew that there were always issues and um um political issues would would come in economical issue, you know uh, would come in um and just your general problems that you know people would have um you know just being you know individuals coming from different places so there were always issues that players had to deal with and as a captain you start to feel the punch when you actually see a player performing and you know that they can do better than what they're doing but um, asking more from them is doing more damage mm. um, if, uh, if that makes sense because you know that they you know they're dealing with so much so many other things outside of the actual game so so i started to really see that when i got involved as um as a leader as a vice captain and subs, as, um, and then 
as a as a captain so um that that definitely you can't ignore that it's like if i'm to just if i'm to just give a, a simple example if someone is struggling to pay rent and they're doing a job that that's going to be they're going to be affected whether we whether we like it or not they cannot give their 100% thoughts to whatever job that's at hand mm-hmm. because once that thought comes in oh i haven't paid the rent then um what happens a, a lapse in concentration and um maybe you know um they just don't feel like doing it so it's just a little example but you'd take that and and put it to a bigger scale that's what my players had to deal with okay yeah and these are things which whatever whatever level people play at and whatever the nature of what's going on the rest of their life mm. it can find a way of, of affecting well, your your performance how much was it uh, addressed though as a group did people maybe try not to speak about what's going on in the wider country or was it something that people would talk about over dinner or in another circumstance um people were just comfortable to speak to each other over um just uh, as friends so within the team you always have guys that are you know you're always closer to one than to than to, uh, to another and um you'll get you know a couple of guys maybe three guys discussing that and then it just ends there so uh in terms of it being addressed as a group no we never we never did uh and that's that also goes a little bit within the zimbabwean culture where a lot of a lot of the times you just have to deal with whatever problem is that's there at hand um it's it's sometimes sharing a problem uh is 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 it can be deemed as a weakness mm-hmm. um you are just supposed to deal with it and um find a way and move on okay now what people would would look back to in in terms of the the most um memorable mm-hmm. uh, part of when politics and sport collided mm-hmm. with 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 Zimbabwean cricket was when um flower and longer mm-hmm. in two thousand and three mm-hmm. made their their stand. Mm-hmm. In the book, you say at the at that time mm-hmm. you were in disagreement with it because you felt that sport and politics shouldn't mix. Mm-hmm. Then later on, mm-hmm. it becomes something in in your experience that mm-hmm. was was unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Quickly, fairly quickly after mm-hmm. they've 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 made their stand, this mm-hmm. leads to to you uh, assuming even more responsibility within the uh, within the team. Mm-hmm. How how challenging was it te- beco- becoming a leader of a, of a group mm-hmm. that is diminished by the people that, that aren't there, that mm-hmm. isn't as strong as it can be, mm-hmm. and is affected by all of this? When in an ideal world, you want to be, of course, everyone does, captain mm-hmm. of a group that's got absolutely everyone available mm-hmm. at the peak of its powers. So mm-hmm. did you at the time feel that you were taking over a, a weakened team, or was it that with your drive and mm-hmm. your will to succeed, you were you were happy to just get on with the job um i've always been uh my i've always well, i think if i had to go back to the way i was brought up now you know with my dad and also the cricket side i would mention mangongomo um my my first coach now we i was taught to deal to find solutions 
rather than dwelling on a problem. So whenever a problem presented itself, I was quick to come off the problem and put all my energy and focus on the solution. So I, I didn't really answer your question earlier. Um, well, I, I have answered it. Um, so a lot of my achievements and a lot of uh, all the things that were, all the bad things that were happening during that time, they, I think they just bypassed me because I was too focused on the job at hand and on finding answers and, um, and, and, and finding solutions. So even, uh, when I then did well, scored runs and men of the management of the series, you know, you name it, uh, youngest captain, it's only now when I reflect back when I think, Oh, that's quite an achievement. Um, but when it was happening, it was just, okay, what's the next thing now? Uh, we've just played this series. We, this is how we've done. We need to plan for the next series. How are we going to do it? So I was too focused on what need, needed to be done than what was actually be what mm. was actually on the ground. Which is a, which is a, a great way to approach it. Um, mm. It can be so easy in whichever area of work mm. to be focused on the problems and then s- slipping into making excuses for what might go wrong rather than actually um, getting getting on with it. Mm. Now. That's really an interesting point that you've you've thrown yourself into it and tried to look at what can be done rather than what can't be done. Mm. But it wasn't too much longer after mm. you'd become captain that, mm. that you felt that you couldn't carry on mm. and, uh, with this any longer. Mm. So you, you moved towards re- retirement from that. What was it that pushed you to to leave the setup the, the first time? So... So now, you know, I'm playing cricket. I've just been captain and I start going for meetings, um, you know, board meetings, meetings with, you know, reputable people in the country, you know, all the way, you know, to the president. Now, all of a sudden, the game is a bit different. It's not, it's no longer just, uh, you know, bat and ball on the field. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a whole bigger game than I had ever dreamt of. So... When uh, when this presents itself, I start realizing that um, uh, there are more problems uh, for me to deal with, um, you know, than uh, than I thought. Because if it's on the field, I know I'm I'm part of that. You know, I'm part of the team. I'm actually on there. But now this, I'm I'm not there. You know, I can just say my views. But whatever other meetings that's going to be taken, I'm not there, and I can't, I can't influence it in any way. The best way, the best time I can influence anything is on the field. Now, um, so a couple of meetings that I had uh, when I then started being threatened um, was uh, well, the, the the one that I really remember is obviously the one that I was shown pictures of dead people. So. Now, you, I was thinking, you know, you, you think that you, you're dreaming you, <laughs> when things like that are happening because it's, you never think, you watch those things in a movie, but you never really, you never expect them to be true. Um, so that was the first wake-up call for me. Um, and then when I realized the importance of freedom, 
uh, where I, I couldn't move around without you know looking behind and to see if someone wasn't following me or driving and you know checking who was parked close to my gate before I opened the gate because there were now always cars that's parked outside my house and uh, you know checking who calls and you know not answering any numbers that we didn't know because we're now getting threatened over the phone simply because I had started to ask for certain things to be put in place for my players um now um when i saw that it it wasn't whatever i was saying was not being taken on board now this is coming from a person who's always given 100% now when you've given 100% and you see, and it looks like really there's nothing that you can do i would rather not be involved in that i would just not go along for 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 personal interest so that was what i thought so i then retired i then said you know what let me retire i'll resign and retire now that came in the newspaper and when it did i then called i then got a call from the uh, uh, vice president one of the vice president then and uh, she said what's this um you know cricket was picking up a great deal and i had played a major role in that the black majority were starting to take a liking to cricket more than football because of what i had achieved now anything to do with cricket and me was big news now and obviously go to the vice president and she uh, she wanted to know why and um and and i did tell her um and she summoned me to to speak to the governor uh which i which i did and um and still i felt it wasn't uh, we weren't going anywhere um yes the governor did put security at my house we felt a bit safer um but when loveness almost got kidnapped i think that was the final straw for us and then we we then you know left or well, i then left for bangladesh loveness couldn't join me with tj because tj had not had his passport as yet so um, that that is the reason why i then thought you know what i think it's time for me to to call it quits yeah and we think of pretty much any other international player from whichever country if you were to list the reasons why they decide to retire you mm. generally reduce them to injury or loss of form or or or, or something in in that area mm. this is to to anyone listening to this is something which you just don't associate with with with, with our sport and certainly mm. not one um it's at the point where as you've said mm. you're becoming an increasingly visible role model for mm. the the black majority zimbabweans mm. who are moving away from um another sport to think well actually here's someone who's come from similar background to us mm. who we can maybe go along that path mm. so from that perspective mm-hmm. um that's kind of yeah a blow to you but also a blow to what you you achieve more broadly mm-hmm. you did make the decision to return after that mm-hmm. so was it what was it that led to you thinking it 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 was appropriate to be able to come back well um it it was really a meeting uh, from another reputable 
character in, in, in Zimbabwe. He was the, uh, the owner of the company that was the main sponsor for Zimbabwe cricket. So how he simply put it across to me was, I am um, sponsoring Zimbabwe cricket and we are losing games and you are here in Namibia and you are winning games for Namibia. So I want you to come back and play. So, so the effort one was, uh, I, I respected the effort that he made. He, made he, he flew all the way to Namibia, had a meeting with me and I turned him down, went back and then next, the following week came back again um you know with the uh, you know you know for us to look at it in a different angle um so he wasn't just playing games uh, i mean a person that reputable won't uh, go to namibia just to you know uh, for 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 nothing mm-hmm. really so so that the effort that he made what one um was good and then number two is when I gave him um my terms so I said I want I'll be involved with Zimbabwe cricket uh, but I don't want to be directly involved so if I can amend the contract or oh, I said if I can write my own contract I'll come back so he went back and then he came back with the contract and said look I can give you this contract you're allowed to amend it so I amend it and send it back and then we'll see how best we'll be able to do it. So and um they agreed to my amendments. It wasn't it wasn't about the money. It was uh, I wanted to uh, I didn't want to be tied down to Zimbabwe cricket because I I mean I'd seen what um you know what had transpired. Um and so I wanted to just play and then after the game is finished I was free to go. And I wasn't obligated uh, to do other things that other players were obligated to. Okay. Now, this second spell, then, do you feel you were a better player first time round or second time? I think I was a better player second time round. And what do you think the reason for that is? Um, because I was just, I was able to just play cricket. I wasn't, um, I knew I wasn't going to be involved in, lead, in any leadership uh, because of the nature of the contract. So, so I could just totally focus on my game. Now, because of how the players had said that that will back you and then ended up not backing me, I then also de-associated myself to the players. So I won. there wasn't no emotional attachment to the players. So I was able to just totally focus on my game. So I was practicing with a friend of mine called Clem. He wasn't even he wasn't in the national team, so I made a proposal to him. I said to him, "I can help you." He was just a club a club cricketer. I said, "I can, um, I can help you. I can coach you until you play first class cricket, but in return, you must be available whenever I want to practice. So you you know you feed balls for me in the bowling machine. So that was the deal, um, and I was just in the nets." Um and I had you know I had a net at my house and a bowling machine and balls I you know I, I had everything I needed to you know to improve and I I think I played my best cricket because of that I think you know uh, 2008 I then made the IPL um and 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 continue to do well okay now 
of the things that you identify as, as I would su- I suppose your your strengths, we've not touched on any technical things really. Mm-hmm. We, we've we've spoken a lot about about attitude and mindset. So mm. the kind of hunger and focus that you had mm. across the the time that you've you've played, mm. whether it's someone you play with or against, mm. who has impressed you the most in terms of being a player that you have seen as having those similar attributes? I think um, the one that comes to mind is um, is Yunis Khan. Um, I think I, I may be a little bit biased because um, we I was quite close to him and I was I, I was able to to ask him a lot of questions. Um, so he is one he is one international player that I'm, I'm I may put in that bracket. The other one goes without say uh, is Andy Flower uh, because a lot of this that I'm talking about I learned from him um, and I learned from actually you know practicing under him and practicing with him. Um, so to answer your question, those are the two that will come to mind. Okay, yeah, like Yunus Khan is, I, I certainly remember when he's, when he's toured here mm. and had some of these mammoth innings where mm. It, you look at the amount of time he's been at the crease and those powers of concentration mm. and, and that sort of, yeah that's a really uh, not perhaps one that people would say straight away but the more you think about it the more there is something there that there's that resolve and mm. the ability to, to play for long periods of time mm. it, it, in the book mm-hmm. um, and in, in, in other kind of conversations that we, we've had <coughs> you mention and it's no surprise a lot of the mental battles that have, mm. have happened across your career mm-hmm. either just the cricket or mm. the cricket with all the other things added to it and all the strains mm. um this will clearly have had an effect on your your game and mm. your and your life in general mm. what we always try to look at with with opening up cricket is certainly speak about when people have had problems and mm. and and to normalize them that mm. anyone can can have issues mm. and we, 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 that's the nature of life mm. How were you able to deal with them? Because mm-hmm. as we sit here now, the thing that's that struck me when when we met on our on our coaching course mm-hmm. was one thing that of probably all the people in the group, mm-hmm. you were the keenest to learn, mm-hmm. despite the fact that we others of us might have thought you'd be the person who would sort of know know it all if, if ever mm-hmm. is that case. But also um, your ability to keep smiling and to and to to keep going. Mm-hmm. What helped you manage to do that with all the strains and the stresses that existed? Mm. Well, I, I think that then boils down to, uh, to my faith, um, because I mean I used to ask myself a question, uh, and that that question was, um, what then? You know, um, you know, play a game, you know, play well, you know, play badly, whatever it may be, uh, break a record. And then I would always ask myself, what then? Now, um, and I just used to ask Loveness, uh, and then and, and Loveness said, I don't know what you're, uh, what you're asking me. I said, well, there is going to come a time when I'll have to retire. There is going to come a time when, you know, trophies will be thrown away and um, uh, the name will soon be forgotten. I said, uh, what then? I said I will grow old at some stage, and then I will die at some at some stage. I said um, there is more to life um, than just playing cricket. 
there is more to life um you know than just uh, than just living that's um if i'm to just summarize uh, you know um the, the the spiritual side of things now um in the end i i thought if i'm to be uh known as a cricketer who ended up being world number one and, and broke so many records would i be content with that and i felt no you know at the end of my life if i am to be known as that that would not uh, be satisfying to me but what will be satisfying to me is uh, to be known as a person who is a credit to any society and a person who is able to make life more easier um you know whilst we're still here on earth because it is not easy as it is in um uh, regardless of what what a person does um generally life is not is not that easy um but if i can do something to to make life a little easier for someone else i would definitely do it so that's how i wanted to be or want to be known at the end of it and then i decided that it starts with me it never starts with someone else but but with me so um things are i believe that a lot of things are contagious i mean if you if someone is yawning they don't pass nothing to you but you find yourself wanting to yawn so if i can if i can always be smiling then someone will be having a bad, might be having a bad day and they see me smile and you know it might be contagious and if i can help someone and someone is seeing that and they may help someone else along the way and just you know try and and, and feed whatever you know positive that i believe i have um so that's that's um you know uh, i think to 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 cut a long story short i think that's really it mm-hmm. well that yeah i i, I think who, whoever we speak to whoever we read about and in your case it's a it's a very very um developed faith in in God mm. for others it can be based on something similar something different mm. but that element of being able to have a reason for doing things and looking beyond what we we see in in say our, our, in work in your case mm-hmm. being cricket in other areas of people's lives something mm. which goes that little bit further yeah and I, I think what we probably see if we were looking at, at, at yourself mm. um, and again from from the from the experience of, of of doing a little bit of work earlier this year mm. is having that that humility that we haven't mastered anything that it's mm. always an ongoing process and there's always something that you can you can give back and mm. I suppose that the last the last time that you would have been um, particularly known on the on the on world cricket stages mm. when you did make the return in um, in in twenty sixteen. From a from another perspective, mm. rather than a playing one in terms of convening the the selectors mm. and the establishment of the the rising stars, um, who I'll let you explain a little bit about. Now, what mm. struck me in terms of your return then to 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 being able to help direct which way Zimbabwean cricket was going in mm. was at that point we then saw serious players that mm. had left 
Zimbabwe cricket to in fact go and play English county cricket decided mm. that, that it was appropriate for them to come back so yeah. I'm thinking of Carl Jarvis and Brendan Taylor mm. that must have been quite a um, quite an endorsement for you knowing that you, you your presence there and what you stand for and how you do things made these guys feel that it was the right thing to come back and play it was um, it was quite nice um, uh, one to for the board to uh, to listen to my views initially um, because I, I made a presentation uh, to the board and part of that presentation was to bring um, you know uh, three players and two of which you've mentioned the third one was Solomon Mire he was playing in Australia now and then um, there was obviously a lot of debate about it um, and then you know people saying that they will not come back you know why would they come back and I said if I speak to them they will come back and uh, one of the guys asked why I thought so and I said they have played under me they they know that whatever I'm going to be telling them is the truth um, so I had a meeting with all three and I told them the plan that I had and I asked I said if they if they believed that I'll be able to carry these plans through, um, you know, it would be nice for them to come back and, uh, and, and, and play a helping role in uh, making sure that these plans are seen through. And I did explain to them that, I, you know, I, I, I can't be doing that on the field, so I need people that I know can do that job on the, on the field. And, um, and all three agreed um which you know which is nice uh, that they could just take my word and then make a decision to you know to a big decision to leave whatever they were doing for for several years to come back and represent their country so so that that was you know quite nice of them to um to respond that way okay so with someone like uh, like Brendan we were saying just before I Brendan played at, at my club way back in 2006 as a, mm. as a pretty young man. Mm. His career has been an interesting one in terms of some very high-profile innings for South, uh, for, sorry, for Zimbabwe mm. um, against Australia in a T- mm. T20 World Cup and, of course, against India in a, in a World Cup. Mm. Um, it always struck me, even at his earlier uh, years, that this was someone who had a quite pretty clear idea about how he wants to play cricket mm. and how he wants to do that. So despite coming from yeah very different backgrounds and mm. different paths into the game mm. it, would Brendan someone that you, 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 you've known for a long long time mm. be someone that you see a bit of yourself in in that way um, I think uh, uh, Brendan we, we have, we've got some similarities um, however uh, I know Brendan would, would definitely agree with me um, I think if Brendan had looked after him has looked after his physical side of his game he would be one hell of a player uh, he would have he would have achieved more than uh, he would put what he's achieved to not um, he like you said he is sure about what he wants to do and he was always like that when he got onto the crease now that's a strength to have um, and he was all. Oh, he always knew how he was going to build an innings, 
whether you know against different opponents um but i felt that you know brendan uh, you know let himself a little bit down i mean his his career is still great um but i think you know a, a bit short um for my expectation uh, for brendan because i know him well and i know his ability um so so yes uh, uh, that's what I, I i feel about about brendan um great leader as well um i, I don't think he he manufactures leadership it just you know it, it 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 comes natural with him as well so there is a similarity there is a similarity there and he's not he's not afraid to to take on a challenge uh and not only to take on a challenge but to start uh, challenging now what i mean is if 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 you're playing for a team that's uh, that's that's on the bottom side of the table so zimbabwe that is and you're playing against a team that's on the top side it's easy the, the, the normally the way it goes is um the lesser team waits for the game to start and then react now brendan uh is not like that uh, brendan will start the fight and uh, he's one of the few zimbabweans that I, I can safely mention to say that you know he will start the fight um and it takes you know courage you know to do that uh, on that stage mm, okay now as part of this, this this return that you had there in in 2016 there was also as we've mentioned the the rising stars the mm. the, the group of players that spent a, a, a lot of time out here in mm. in the UK mm. developing their game to be the next generation of people to, to play on the, the, the world stage mm. that almost seems like it's gone sort of full circle for you and you'd been the the beneficiary of a falcon support when you were a young player and then you were able to pass that on mm. to them at the at the position that you that, that you're in there mm. how rewarding was that to be able to to give back something to these guys i think um i think to to begin with i think i a lot of people say that these players gained more uh but the satisfaction i got cannot be explained now one of the first things that i asked these boys to do was to stand in front of the their teammates and just have a brief life story so that they get to know each other because they're coming from all over zimbabwe and what was quite interesting for me uh, which you know makes my heart jump even now is i was featuring in four of those young men in having helped them somewhere along the lines when they were growing up and these are just people that were wherever they were and um one of the one of the boys had a story that i organized a tournament at my um you know my my primary my my, my primary school and i so i organized four teams and i did a little mini tournament i asked loveness to cook some food and you know for for lunch and get some and get some drinks and i used to choose um best batsman best all-rounder um best bowler and i think best batsman so i used to have four um i used to give four prizes and 
I'd given him best batsman. Um, and this is when the boy was 10. Now, just to hear that, and, and, and fast forward, you know, you fast forward nine years later, and he's telling the story as the, 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 the pinnacle to his, you know, well, that is what then made him to choose cricket. So that, I can score a hundred, just, you know, and, and be happy. But the feeling cannot be compared when I, you know, when I think about that. So that's one. Another one, I did a similar thing in a different, in a different area. And I gave him, uh, I gave him a cricket bag as, um, I don't remember what, uh, you know, what, um, what prize I gave it, what prize it was for. And then another boy, his name is Ashja, a right handed batsman. If all things are cor- if things are correct in the country, that boy who, who played test cricket for Zimbabwe. Now, uh, so uh, this is his story. He's, I, w- I was just about to go in to, do, to have my individual training during the time that I came back that we've talked about, 2007-2008. So I'm just about to come in and do my individual training. And he is having... Um, his coach is giving him one-on-one coaching for 45 minutes. Now, the coach asked me to uh, to have a look at the boy and give a few tips. Now, I he says what what made him so happy and what made him uh, have the drive to want to then represent his country in the few in, sometime in the future was that I abandoned my own practice and I'm you know I'm preparing for an international game to have a look at this boy and to give him some tips and and um so that's him and then another one you know um for us um he was you know he was standing with his friends um and they asked to you know they asked me to sign some things and instead of signing I then gave him my shirt or I gave him something I don't remember what I gave him so, uh, just to hear that, um, you know, makes my heart jump. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's not a situation where I have just, you know, I, I, I just got these players and I know that these players are going to make it. And, 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 and it's not manufactured. It's just, I was just doing what I feel must be done. And it then helps someone else along the lines. I mean, that, uh, you know... That makes me so happy. However, on the cricketing side, just looking at the same bunch, four of them, or if not five, went on to the MEC teams. And this, uh, yes, I was selector, but I made them aware that I wasn't going to select them as long as they were involved in the, in the Rising Stars. So I said, you're going to have to play well and be outstanding that the coaches will then demand for you to be in the side. So, um, Blessing Zarabani was one of them. Uh, Tinashe Kamunukamwe is in the national team. Is, uh, is another one. Brandon Mafuta uh, is another one. Tarsaim Sakanda and um, uh, Kao Mumba. So, um, to, to, um and 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 uh, blessing Zarabani has got a three-year contract with um with knots um you know just after the season they were here uh, in the uk so 
I did the program uh, because I know the talent that's there in Zimbabwe. So, and I know that what's lacking is game time. So more than coaching, what those boys need is just game time. So I, was, I managed to get them 50 uh, fixtures here in the UK in five months. And I was 100% sure that after those 50 fixtures, there will be, be way better players than the players that have been left home that are practicing. Mm. And it proved to be correct. Yeah, so there's a, another example of, a, of a, a legacy that's been built there. If we come forward to the, the, the present day, we're June 2019, now in, in Liverpool, here in the, in the UK, mm. what's your, your, your outlook for the, the, the future? And I, it's two parts to this question. Mm. One, personally for you, what's mm. your plans across this next period of time, this mm. next period in your, um, in your career and life? And, mm. and also, what do you look on now from a more distant perspective what the future for Zimbabwe cricket is? Well, I think the future, if I'm going to answer your second question first. The future for Zimbabwe cricket is dependent on a lot of other other factors that I cannot control. So um, there is, you know, the political uh, turmoils that are there. There is the economic uh, turmoils that are there also. So um, some of uh, some of the things that then affect Zimbabwe cricket uh, is caused by those things. Um, so. To be able to, uh, to, to to give an idea on where Zimbabwe cricket is going is very difficult because we'll have to look at the political situation and the economic situation, which we don't know where it's headed at the moment. Now, how, however, still having looked at that, there is still talent in the country. That is, I say that without a doubt. Um, I still go back you know every now and I go every now and again when I go back to Zimbabwe I go back to my primary school I go back to my uh, second to my high school and I still watch boys playing and you know it's still the same you know as in just boys that I can just naturally hit a cricket ball you know naturally throw the ball or bowl the ball so um, in terms of talent in the country it's there I mean also the weather plays a great deal because the boys can be outdoors 10 months of the year. So, um, you know, hand-eye coordination is hardly taught in Zimbabwe. I mean, I was never taught how to throw a ball. You just, you just pick up a ball and start throwing because you play outdoors. Now, so that's, that's, that's um, Zimbabwe cricket. Um, uh, also, just to finish off on, on, that, on that point is, there's also got to be good governance within the sport, uh, which we, unfortunately, we have not been privileged to have good, uh, good governance over the years. So if those things are in place, uh, you know, I, I believe Zimbabwe can come back to where it used to be and even better. Uh, now, your first question, um, is is, uh, is is on me now um at the moment i've just completed my ecb uh, level two i used to have the one in zim but it's not recognized anywhere now so i'm i'm looking to to complete my level to start my level three 
to apply for my level three and then uh, as soon as I manage that I want to go on and do my level four giving um, is something that comes quite easy for me uh, and I'm told that uh, it's one of the uh, aspects needed you know uh, for a good coach so I I cannot help it if I see boys you know just playing or I'm just passing by a school and, and I see guys just playing cricket I can't help but just to watch and see if I can you know offer a word of you know advice or help it just it's just within me so so I I would like to uh, really get into uh, coaching I'm still playing at the moment so I'm divide you know I'm, I'm sharing the roles uh, because I'm still able to play um, but as soon as that is finished I want to really get into coaching full-time mm. yeah and I think that would be based on all that we, we've heard with the leadership experience with the the giving back to Zimbabwe and cricket as well as this knowledge of the game and obviously it sounds like the, the right kind of thing as we finish um, we, we've spoken a little bit about the themes of the of the book and, and we've got it here in front of us there's things that you've touched on which then are explained in more detail mm. um, and the subheading of the of the book is cricket conflict and God in Zimbabwe's age of extremes so there is really in here a, a lot of things that people can get their teeth into about purely the the cricketing journey also a little bit about the, the country and and the issues that have been there and as you've as you've mentioned the fact that your faith has been what has run all the way through it and sustains you so what i would advocate to, to anyone who's listened to this is get a copy of the of the book I'll, I'll put a link to accompany the podcast as well as on the social media uh outlets there but i think as a closing word from from you what was it that made you think this was the right time to share your story um i was sitting with loveness uh back in 2015 um we had just bought a, an, another house in a different area just wanted a bit of change um and we're sitting in the lounge talking as we uh, as we normally do and um someone had made a debut i don't remember who it was and and then she asked me a question and said, um, how, Tatenda, how was your debut like? So I started narrating how my, uh, my one day debut uh, was, I didn't talk about the test debut, I started talking about the one day debut first. And then when I was sharing the story, I could see she was getting emotional. So then I, I stopped, I said, uh, you okay? And she said, yeah, but how come you haven't, you've never shared it? Uh, you know, in detail to me. So I said, oh, but love, you know me, I, I like to look at the, you know, I like to look at the positives and I like to, you know, to, to, to look at the solutions rather than the problems. So uh, I, I just didn't think it was that important. Then, um, then she said, but you do realize you've got a lot about your life that people don't know. Um, and, and she said, look, people can read in the the newspaper they can read on the internet whatever and can you know find information about you but there is there are finer details that then make it make everything to make sense and people don't know that don't you think it's it's about time you share that and i thought it was a good idea and um that's what drove me to 
to write the book. Excellent. Well, uh, just speaking from one person's perspective, I'm certainly glad you did. It was a real pleasure to read, and I hope more people go out there and uh, and do so. So for now, thank you for uh, giving me your time, Excellent. sharing a little bit more of your story, and I look forward to seeing um, how this coaching journey progresses. Thank you. Thanks, Mark.